patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra Podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. So what I what I did is, you know, at some point I started realizing like I can put in these, you know, these sextuplets and make it sound essentially kind of faster than it is. Polyrhythms, polymeters, what are they? How are they related? How are they different? Let's take a look. The way to be successful at something is you have to be so passionate about it that time disappears. You do not care. You are just in it. You can't wait to wake up because you get to start again. And when you go to sleep, you hope that you dream about it. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about passion. Before I set up anything in a session, I try to find out, hey, what's the first song we're going to do? Can we go listen to it? Is there some kind of demo? And then, because I hate, I hate just like throwing up like any old cymbals and snare drum and whatever, um, building a kit and then going to listen to the song and going, oh, well, I wouldn't use half the stuff that's up here. What happens is you're moving the accents everywhere possible in a measure of 4-4, four, four, a measure of 3-4. I, I really feel like that's a really under-emphasized part of being a drummer, is getting sound. So let's just hear what it sounds like to hear three sixteenth notes at the same time as four sixteenth notes. Hey, hey, what's up everybody? Rich here. Welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast. I am actually in my car because this has been an insane insane week and I'm actually driving to gig number three of the day and I think it's a I think it's like a 10 gig streak in eight day kind of week for me and that takes a lot of time driving to the gigs playing the gigs driving home from the gigs um but it's been a very cool week. I'm actually going to post... I tried to remember to take a picture of every different drum set that I played this week. Um, a lot of times when I do these really crazy um, run around town playing gig kind of weeks, I make sure that there are different drum sets ready for me, like house kits or whatever. That way it's easier. I can just kind of roll in and play and then and then head back out. So I took a picture of, I think I took a picture so far of every drum set. And then on Saturday or Sunday, I'll try to post every drum set that I played this week. I think it's really cool, actually, to play different drum sets, different gear. Um, it pushes the creativity for sure. And that's that's been, that kind of sums up my entire career I've always been into playing different drum sets for the purpose. Sometimes it's la because I'm lazy and I just want to use a house kit or something somewhere, but uh, mostly I would like to change up my drums often just to push the creativity, just to kind of get out of my comfort zone and uh, you know figure out a deeper or a new way to make music on the instrument. So I'm very accustomed to playing different kits, different pedals. And you know what? Actually, this just hit me. Um, I had a teacher in St. Louis for a very short amount of time. I probably only took a few lessons from him. His name was Craig Williams. And uh, I was in high school at the time. And I would go to his house, and he was a very... 
I, got, I kind of called him, kind of considered him eccentric at the time. Um, but he was he was a session drummer, and this was in the '80s, so he was definitely a busy session drummer and a great player. And he would we would do the typical exercises like work out of the Gary Chester book or whatever, um, you know, or you know syncopation book, all the all the typical drum set books that you study when you're in high school. <clears throat> but he would do different things to kind of challenge me and this could have been where this whole concept was born and kind of sunk into my way of being is I would get to the lesson and the drum set that I was to play on would be set up in a strange way so not necessarily the toms but mainly where the placement of the ride cymbal and the hi-hat were could be in a very awkward place like he might on purpose put the hi-hat a foot further away than you would normally want to to have it and he'd put the ride symbol where you had to really reach for it and then I had to play all my exercises on the kit the way that it was set up I wasn't allowed to move anything and that was part of the way that he did my lessons I don't know if he did those lessons like that with everybody but that's what he did for me um, so I would have to play the exercises on drum sets that were set up awkwardly and different each time. And another thing that he would do, this is all coming back to me, we would do, uh, you know, read the melodies in um, Gary Chester's book on the bass drum, but he would take the spring off of the bass drum pedal. So if you buried the beater into the head, then you had to reach down and put the beater back into position where it could be able to be played because if there's no spring it just goes straight up and it stays so you that was to learn how to allow the beater to bounce off the head to actually start feeling the beater uh, as a, as if it were a stick so that was a very frustrating exercise that I actually would go home and practice um, in preparation for my lessons and man that was just that was grueling because it never you know you're in high school you don't have a whole lot of time to practice every day and to go through a frustration like that I never mastered it to be honest but I tell you what it sure started waking me up about thinking about how to play and the physics of how things move and um the idea that you don't have to be comfortable and everything be perfect to make music and i think that was that was huge for me i mean that obviously that was you know 25 years ago and it still it still uh, has been part of me ever since so how did i get on that oh yeah cuz i'm playing a bunch of different drum sets all the time so yeah i played uh, this morning for instance my first gig was at 6:30 this morning and um, it was a jazz gig. The downbeat was 6:30. It was for this National Realtors Conference uh, annual breakfast, I guess. This is the second year I did it. Um, jazz quartet, vibes, piano, bass, and drums. And uh, the vibe player Stephen Leinard was very kind and brought a drum set for me. So I got to play this really happening, 1959 Slingerland kit, just just a bass drum and snare drum and two cymbals, two dream cymbals, which are 
very interesting. I've actually never played them, um, but they have a. These two cymbals had a really great tone, and they felt very comfortable. The whole drum set was very comfortable. So uh, I played that kit, and then from there, uh, that was over at 8:30, and then I rushed out to. Um, Another gig out at uh, Willow Creek, which is like the mega church, and I think it's the model of what every other mega church has been built on. But anyway, we were playing the um, employees' holiday party. I guess I could call it a Christmas party because it was Willow Creek. Um, but yeah, we played this uh, holiday party, and that's a huge production. It's like, you know, I'm behind glass, and everything's mic'd, and we have in ear monitors, and talkbacks, and lighting cues and all everything that you that goes with a big mega church but we were playing jazz we were playing christmas songs and uh but i was playing on the uh house kit out at that in that actual you know there's probably at least three but maybe maybe more like five huge areas where they have full bands and full pas and sound systems and all that stuff so um i was playing jazz on a 22 by 18 inch bass drum, a 13 inch tom, and a 16 inch tom, and a big deep snare drum that was, and everything was tuned super low because, oh, you know what it was? It's the drum set is, a, I think it's for like the teen worship uh, band, and so, you know, the teens especially in churches they love to tune everything really low and they play everything really flat and low and that's another thing when I get behind a drum set that's not mine I do not touch anything because I just want to I want the challenge I want to do it now if I'm going to be playing for four or five hours I might adjust some things just so I don't die at the end because my body's all out of whack but if I'm playing for 90 minutes or whatever I'm totally cool and I, I just love I love the challenge of of uh, not touching or changing anything, even changing the tunings. And I tell you, playing jazz on big tubby drums with a sub kick mic and everything, it was uh, pretty weird, especially with in ears. But I did it. It was fun. And then, uh, and then tonight I'm playing on one of my kits that uh, a band carries, and that's going to be obviously comfortable. That's a, another 22 um, kick, 22 by 17 Oak Yamaha, and uh, I think a 12 and a 15 inch, the old yoke, the old Oak uh, style drums. But I'll also be doing an Ableton rig and you know dropping loops and samples into the band, and uh, it's that's my that's my more normal gig. So tonight is a, a normal gig for me. But yeah, it's just, you know, playing all these different kits. Uh, I, what else? I could back up. You know, I played one of my rigs this week was a Cajon. And one of my different drum set. Uh, anyway, I'll post the pictures of all the drums and try to say something thoughtful about the idea of, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and doing different things. Being, an, uh, being a musician instead of a, just a drummer. Um, you know making music with whatever you have so that's a that's a big part so anyway it, it's been a very interesting and cool week uh busy 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 i was at i had to 
I didn't have to. I, I really enjoyed it, but uh, I guess I could say have to uh, as far as driving out, driving over an hour in, in uh, Chicago rush hour traffic to get out to my daughter's Christmas concert yesterday. <clears throat> so I got to hear her play clarinet at the Christmas concert. That was great. Um, and uh, I've had a couple meetings this week. Sorry, I'm just kind of blabbing out what my week was like, but this is in lieu of me doing what I wanted to do, which was um, I also picked up my the books today, or, or last night. Uh, the primary series book is, right now I'm driving my car, and in the back there are, I don't know, 20 boxes of books. So that's very exciting, and my, I, my plan was for my podcast this Friday to be um, an overview and uh, walking you through the first section of the book. I was going to play the play-alongs in, in real time, so you'd have access to be able to uh, play along yourself if you have the book. The books will be shipping tomorrow morning, by the way. It's another thing I, I've got to put on my list after my gig tomorrow morning. But um, anyway, I didn't have time to do that because things have just been insane and uh, uh, Tuesday oh yeah Tuesday um, I prepared I kind of prepared first of all let me just tell you this a lot of people talk to me about podcasts I've only been doing my podcast for maybe two months I'm 22 episodes in and uh, I was just talking to a buddy tonight and I said a podcast is not easy. <laughs> it's it's like every, I'm trying to put them out once a week, and every Friday, every Friday morning, and every Thursday, I go, "Oh my gosh, it's Thursday." So I'm trying to get into a better habit, but it's like adding a whole new thing to the plate. And the podcast itself, I mean, when you listen to a podcast, it just sounds like someone's talking or you're having a conversation with somebody, and it flows really well and it's very smooth. But in reality, as long as at least in my reality, um, you know, a, a, a two-hour-long phone conversation. For instance, last week when I talked to Blair Sinta, we talked for about two hours, and then I probably listened to our conversation five times and edited it down to 45-minute conversation. So that's like 10 hours of work to give you a 45 minute long podcast um, just to tighten it up and, and, and make it flow well and make sure that things aren't in there that shouldn't be or whatever But um, so yeah, it's a lot of time <laughs> and I didn't think about that in the beginning because I just get an idea and I go for it and then I start trying to figure it out as a you know, trying to learn how to swim from jumping in the water is kind of a way that I like to do things um, but Tuesday this week, a couple days ago, I had a very nice phone conversation with Carter McLean uh, the day before he was heading out for his uh, two-week-long tour with Charlie Hunter on the West Coast. And we had an awesome talk, and that will be coming out next Friday. So definitely looking forward to releasing that conversation to everybody. Carter and I have been... You know, very kind of outer acquaintances on social media for a while now. Um, you know, the occasional like on each other's posts, 
the occasional message here and there. But uh, it was fun to get to know him. I mean, we really had a great, great talk. He's a very intelligent guy and super insightful and and just a real kind of authentic person. So that was a lot of fun to talk to him, and I will be editing that this week, hopefully, um, and presenting that to everybody next next Friday. So he'll be in the middle of his tour by then. We did talk about his preparations for the tour and everything, but I kind of figured that I'd wait. I think a podcast just came out with him this few days a few days ago, so I wanted to put a little space between it for for people who would really like to follow him, give him a, give a little, give a little break before they hear more. But, uh, anyway, yeah, so, yeah, it's been a crazy week. Concerts, picking up books, meetings, nine or ten gigs, podcast, uh, talk, and I don't know. I, and here's, here's another thing. I really, really, really try to practice every day, and, when I was in the process of finishing the book and writing the book and writing all the, the uh, play-alongs for the book, uh, I was getting two to four hours of practice in pretty much every day. I'd probably go to my studio. The stu- my studio is very close to my house. I can, I can walk there in about 30 seconds. So I would walk over in the morning or, you know, I'd drop my daughter off at school, go straight there, practice for... 90 minutes or so, write, etc. Chill, have lunch, um, and then go back again. I'd usually go like two to three times a day and practice for anywhere from like an hour to 90 minutes, two hours each time. So that's been a lot of fun. This week has been a different story. Um, and it's, it's, always, it's always strange, you know. I, I feel like on social media, you kind of see the best of people. Um, sometimes you get a little glimpse into someone's life where you go, oh, okay, they're real. They seem real. Like they're struggling with a thing that they're trying to learn to practice or, uh, you know, whatever. Oh, they're walking on the beach. They're, oh man, they don't only play drums. They actually take walks on the beach. That's cool. So, you know, you see things every once in a while that gives you a glimpse into someone else's life that, that you go, oh, okay. They're not a machine that's in the studio practicing around the clock and, filming exercises and being on tour and stuff and I think it's important for all of us to realize that um, I mean I do it too I I see certain people that I like to check out on on the socials and if I'm not careful I can fill my fill the blanks in with my mind and kind of think that that person is drumming and filming around the clock because it seems like it and in a way that that definitely motivates me and inspires me to uh, to do to do more, to work more, to find the blank areas in my life where I can get to the studio and compose something and practice and stuff. And I think it's been amazing that social media has really stepped up the game for everybody. As far as you know, it's it's kind of like sink or swim. You've got to practice. Everyone's practicing. I mean. How many drummers do you see with memes now on their page and it talks about practicing? Go practice. So we are in a crazy time right now with drumming and everyone is practicing more than ever and filming and and creating and and it's been incredible, but we all have to take a break and realize and and I've talked to many people and everyone agrees on this that you know, we're all human and we all everyone 
has to stop and eat. <coughs> a lot of people have jobs that they have to go to. Um, I don't know how many musicians that I see on social media are actual professional musicians with gigs, but um, those are a different kind of uh, group of people, a lucky group of people who um, are on their instrument all the time, which uh, if, if you're one of those fortunate ones, make sure that you are grateful for that and uh, and know that it's a very special thing to be able to be a full-time professional musician. If you're an aspiring musician who wants to someday be a professional musician, I highly recommend reaching out and talking to some of the people who are doing it for real. Um, and there are lots of them. So, uh, it's, it's it, like I said, it's an interesting time. The older generations, which include me, of course, uh, are, you know, we've been, like, I've been a professional musician since 1990. So I've been a professional musician for longer than some of the people that follow and comment on my stuff have even been alive. I've actually been making a living playing and I get messages from people who are, you know, 23 years old and they, they want to, they, they, they haven't, they haven't gone through everything yet <laughs> and they might express frustration because they're not at um, uh, where they think they should be on a level they think sh they should be and I tell you it takes a lot of work it takes I, I guess uh, Gary V who is a dude that I listen to his podcast a lot he's always talking about the marathon he's like you've got to think about life as a marathon not a sprint and uh, the older we get, the more patience we, we start to find in ourselves. And the younger we are, the more in a hurry we seem to be because we want to be, we want to be successful. We want to be, you know, uh, out there doing it and things take time. I mean, I mean, you'll see if you're young, just, just keep at it, keep at it, network and be real. It's so important to be real. Um, don't try to fake your way into any situation because the really great musicians will know that you're trying to fake your way into it. You might be able to fool someone that's new at it, uh, but you gotta, you gotta be cool and you gotta be real. So do your homework and realize that if you're, you know, if you're, if you're 23 years old, 25 years old, and you're still not quite, you know, feeling like you're your career has taken off yet in music just just keep 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 at it keep at it making the network staying authentic practicing really learning the craft and uh you know building building a network is a lot easier nowadays because you can build it on a on a national and an international level whereas in the old days if you were in a small town you were kind of limited to the people in your town or if you're in a big city it's there's an equal problem because there's so many people that you might be around a whole lot more killing players than players that are in a small town but there's also a million of you in a big city so the competition's higher 
uh, there's a lot of philosophy behind being a successful musician, and 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 understanding that is a lifelong journey as well. I don't know how I got got on this, but uh, what did I do? I don't even know. I'm just driving to my gig and blabbing. Um, <clears throat> what else? What else should I talk about here? I I feel like there were a couple other things on my mind that I wanted to wanted to bring up but I don't know the book is out okay so the book the primary series book a lot of people want to know what this is and people still wonder what the foundational series book is the foundational series book is book number one under the name drum mantra and drum mantra basically a mantra is uh you know, in a meditation practice, you will have a mantra, which is like a series of syllables, usually Sanskrit, which are uh, prayers, basically, I guess. And you would be given a mantra from your guru, and when you meditate, you would say the mantra over and over, or you would sing the mantra, and it's basically a, a big, long repetition of the syllables that would represent a prayer for you, and that would bring you into your meditative state. So I thought, well, what about repeti- repetitive rhythms? What if, what if I created a system where you were playing rhythms that were interesting, that repeated, that would bring you into a meditative state? And I thought about this a lot, and, and like, how can how can this happen? What what does this mean? Because I kept thinking, you know, this is a long time ago. This is like 2005. I was think, started thinking about this and. Like, what what part of drumming is very repetitive without any uh, uh, improvisation? Like, completely the same. I just got a phone call, and I forgot where it was. But I think it was uh, looking at looking at what kind of drumming is repetitive, but doesn't involve any kind of improvisation. So purely repetitive muscle memory. Um, and I thought, well. You know, pop gigs are are probably the most repetitive that don't change. Like, you know, you you're playing a jazz gig. You're not just gonna play the swing ride pattern and two and four on the hi hat for eight minutes without changing it. I mean, you could. And sometimes I've actually made that a goal, and it is not easy. I believe me, it is not easy to keep the energy and the spirit of the music alive without ever changing the pattern in jazz but it's a great experiment and I recommend trying it at least for a song Um, but that's a whole different story so and and there's a lot of stories attached to it that I can tell you which I will at some point Um, but I thought pop music okay it's like the rock beat a dance song you're gonna play that for a long time but that's not gonna do any you know that's that's not you know, I can't package that up into anything and and kind of call it my own creation. And, of course, I didn't give it a, even a half a second of thought that I would try. But I started experimenting. You know, I, one of the... I started thinking about what kind of grooves have um, kind of layering patterns that, that are interesting that I know. And so... You know, one, a couple that come come to mind right away back then were um, the bossa nova, 
So the bossa nova has a set bass drum pattern, and then it has a uh, a very I would call it round clave pattern. And I started thinking about how that that pattern, and I started thinking about clave. And clave is like this two bar phrase with tension and release. And you know, there's a three side to the clave and a two side to the clave. One, two, three. One, two. Uh, 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 uh. And so I started experimenting with the clave. This is a long time ago, way back in college. This was not 2005. This was like 1992. So I was playing clave, playing clave with the left foot. This is what we all did at school. We all learned how to play clave with left foot, and then like my own pattern, sanko pattern on the bass drum, and then you know do stick control with the hands, or read solos with the hands, or whatever over these kind of more complex foot ostinatos. And so one day I remember <coughs> uh, practicing the clave. And the and the songo bass drum pattern, but then doing uh, just sixteenth notes on the snare drum, or maybe I was doing I don't I don't remember I was sixteenth notes for sure, but accenting different accent patterns, and I started accenting three every three like a dotted eighth note, and so it would be with the three side of the clave, and then the next time the three side would come around, the accents on the snare would be one sixteenth note off. And the next time you come around, the accents on the snare would be two sixteenth notes off. And then the next time you come around to the clave, the snare drum accents are back with the three side of the clave. And so I started thinking, oh, so there's a, the dot, like this dotted note cycle extends beyond the two bar phrase of the clave. It's become a six measure long phrase. And then I started thinking about the idea of, of tension and release, like clave has built-in tension and release. The three side is tension, the two side is release. And I thought, okay, the three side's tension, that's a dotted note. So what happens if I play a dotted note for three measures? Well, that dotted note is tension that is swimming through like a measure of four, four time. The dotted eighth note is is kind of curving and sliding its way through three measures of time and that is creating rhythmic tension okay fine but what if the dotted note lasted longer than three measures what if the dotted note was there all the whole time the entire time of a song if it is and then I started to discover that so, so what I would do is I programmed dotted eighth notes into uh, Reason back this is now we're back in 2005 I would program dotted eighth notes for a very long period of time like an hour I'd stretch it out to last the loop for the loop to last an hour and then I would uh, play a quarter note and program that in and program that for that amount of time now I'm hearing a quarter note and a dotted eighth note together for an extended amount of time, like an hour. And I would put it on my iPad, iPod and walk around and listen to it for hours. And I started realizing that I can shift my attention from hearing the quarter note in 4-4 to hearing the dotted note in 12-8 to hearing the quarter note in 3-4 to hearing the dotted note in 9-8. And I'm like, okay, so where is the tension? 
truly where is the tension well the tension is wherever you're not placing your your attent your attention so that if you have two rhythms happening two poly and now i started to discover what what are these what are these called they're not polyrhythms they didn't they didn't fall into the polyrhythmic category exactly they fell into the polymetric category which means the same subdivision different du- durations so four sixteenth note groupings and three sixteenth note groupings those are two different the, uh, durations of the same subdivision so meter polymeter and I started realizing that you can hear things from different perspectives you can hear two rhythms from from several different vantage points and depending on what you're focusing on that that thing that you're focusing on is the release and the other sound is the tension so by virtue of shifting your awareness you could change what part of the polymeter is creating tension and what part of the polymeter is creating a release it sounds fundamental but it was kind of uh, an eye-opening experience I mean we've all played that pattern if you don't know that you've played that pattern trust me you probably have I mean it's a very common pattern but to look at it at that depth I never had done because I didn't have the opportunity to slow down in life enough to actually put something like that under the microscope and to write it out for long enough to kind of observe the written out music to start having these realizations would be very difficult because they look you know the four different perspectives are written four different ways so it would be hard to start gleaning that information from uh, one one way of writing it so that wouldn't work so the thing that that made it possible for me is the technology being able to program those two things into reason and listening so thank you reason that's what that's what started the fire and I thought oh my gosh this is like a meditation if I'm listening to these two things and I'm and I'm and I'm forcing my uh, my mind to shift its focus to believe that different things are actually the main thing but nothing has changed this is a mental exercise this this is kind of like a meditation for drummers and that's when the drum mantra was born so uh, for the next 10 years I started experimenting with what does 5 sound like with 3 and 4 and what is 4 you know how long does it take for 3 and 5 to resolve if you're in 4-4 how long does it take to resolve if you're in 3-4 and just messing with the dotted note and the 5 note grouping this just became this fascination for me I did it with 7s for a while but Seven becomes uh, it's it's a pretty abstract figure. It lasts a long time. It lasts almost two quarter notes, and when you're looking at sixteenth notes of micro information, two quarter notes becomes a pretty vast spread of, of time. However, there will be drum mantra books that do involve the seven um, down the line. So, drum mantra book number one, the foundational series, is the beginning of building the foundation to be able to coordinate the body to even do these things. So, everything is duple, 
based in the foundational series, which means everything's divisible by two. Uh, all the accents are on the downbeats, e's, ands, us. And there's just a series of permutations with the foot, one foot, and 16th notes on one surface with accents. Um, it does it in 3, 4, 4, 4, and 5, 4 time. And you go through basically every every possible permutation. And I know when you look at a drum book, and it's so, people, people, drummers have come up with this idea forever. Come up with a pattern and do every permutation. I mean, that's that's a very common thing for drum teachers to do. But I decided to not just do the all the permutations, but to create a structure to how they are performed. Because we want to play things... Uh, the, the, the trick is, if you're playing downbeat accents, one, two, three, four, and you're playing the downbeat with your bass drum, your mind is going to go, oh my god, I can do this, this is ridiculous, I'm just going to skip this one. Well, guess what? In the performance of the drum mantra exercises, you can't skip it. That one is just as important as the next one, which is downbeats on accents, and the bass drum moves to the E, etc., etc., etc. So there's a there's a structure, and at first I liked just zoning out on the patterns. I thought, okay, this is cool. You just zone out on one of these patterns. We call it the, you call it your mantra, and you just you just play it until you don't understand what's going on anymore. And then I realized, nope, that's not meditation. Meditation requires uh, a constant waking up to the now and letting go of your thoughts. Waking up to the now, letting go of your thoughts. Being present, not thinking. Being present, not thinking. There's a there's a there's a system and a discipline involved in, in meditation. So I thought there has to be a system involved in the drum mantra. So uh, I made it arbitrary. I just came up with a system and the system is you play the first measure eight times, then the second measure eight times. Each page has eight measures on it. You play each exercise eight times, and then you go back and play them each four, each two, and then each one. And then you've done that page. It takes about six minutes to play a page. And there are six pages per section, and there are three sections in the book. So, so that is the foundational series. Uh, in the three-four section of the foundational series, there's a small hint at the dotted eighth note with the accents in the hands, and uh, just three exercises just to kind of get get your footing. And then uh, in section three, which is in five-four, there's a small hint, only one exercise that introduces the five-note grouping in the hands. Um, so it's just very just scratching the surface, just to give a hint of what's to come. And what's to come just came yesterday, the Primary Series book, which is out. The Primary Series book, I would call the Foundational Series Beginner to Intermediate Level. Um, it has challenged professionals. It's challenged myself. Um, so when I say beginner, I mean you can strip a lot of things away from the book and use it not quite how it's intended, but it's a book that you can definitely get something out of as a beginner. As an intermediate student, you can use the book um, in its simplest form. And advanced players with book one, the foundational series, you can change the stickings and it will just completely throw you on your ear. So uh, the book is definitely accessible for all levels. 
The primary series, however, is definitely intermediate to advanced. The entire book is based on the 3-4 polymetric relationship and the 5-4 polymetric relationship and how they function in 3-4, 4-4, and 5-4 time. There are 11 sections in this book and there are also 6 rhythmic melody sections. So you are going very deep and uncovering every little stone. Every You're, you're turning every stone in this book to get a very comprehensive uh physical uh, mastery and muscle memory of these relationships. Now the great thing about if you're in 3-4 time and you're playing a dotted 8th note on the bass drum and you're going through a series of accent patterns with the hands you can also memorize say the first measure of the entire book. Here's the first measure of the entire book. You're in three, four, one e and a two e and a three e and you're accenting downbeats, and the bass drum's playing dotted eights, one e and a two e and a three e and a. Okay, so that's all that's happening. So you play those two things together, and you memorize it because it's easy to memorize, and then you close the book. You don't look at the notation at all, and you start going through your process. I'm in three, four. Now I'm going to try to hear it in 12-8. Now I'm going to try to hear it in 4-4. Now I'm going to try to hear it in 9-8. And you start shifting your awareness with exercise number one. And I promise you, exercise number one all of a sudden becomes three hours of practice. One measure. And then you move to exercise number two, you do the same thing. It is a rabbit hole, my friends. If, it's e- if that becomes easy and you want, to adventure, you want to venture into a different dimension of the book... Start with the left hand. Do the stickings. There are five stickings. Right, left, left, right, 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 left, 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 right, right, and paradiddles. So the primary series is an advanced book for sure. Intermediate, upper level intermediate to advanced. Um, I'm super excited about it. And I know that it's going to be a slow burn because it's, it's, it's going to be a hard book and it's going to it's going to be heavy for people, but I would love to uh, share it with you. And I think that eventually, if you don't understand it or can't quite get it yet, that you will eventually. Um, but it definitely takes attention. It definitely takes time. And the beauty of it is, it doesn't have anything to do with any kind of genre of music. It's not a jazz book. It's not a rock book. It's not a Latin book. It is a muscle memory, rhythmic training book, awareness of time book. It develops a inner sense of the possibilities of how time functions. So it's a totally different beast, right? Um, there are play-alongs, however, and I compose all of them, and they are not any kind of genre, and that's always been my goal. I mean, I don't write in any genre. I write... I write most of my compositions are based on the exercises from drum exercises that I compose. So the play-alongs are basically a uh, an extension of the exercise. The play-alongs are the exercise in musical form to just give you, you know, a nice place to to be while you're working on your muscle memory on these exercises. Woo! I'm almost to my gig, everybody. I've been talking for a long time. 
Um, for those of you who know Chicago, I am on Lakeshore Drive, heading south. If I look out my driver's side window, I see the um, Ferris wheel at Navy Pier. Um, the lake, obviously, is to my left. And the city is right. I'm in it. And I'm heading heading down to uh, just the kind of the, the end of downtown before it kind of changes over uh, just to me to me the city sort of goes into the South Loop area around Roosevelt I will be going to a uh, building on Michigan Avenue just a couple blocks north of uh, Roosevelt and I will be playing a corporate party with a nine piece band of ridiculous Chicago musicians so good so lucky these I play with so many great players if you're in a big city there I mean there are remarkable musicians everywhere but there are lots of them in big cities LA New York Chicago Dallas Nashville uh, I'm sure other other big cities there's so many great musicians out there um, that's the, the, the your your network. You should always try to network into the musicians that you feel are better than you. Um, it's it's scary because it's it's hard for the ego to go. Okay, I'm the worst person here, and I'm talking. I'm not talking about. I'm so I'm I'm the worst person here. I'm gonna make the band sound awful, but like surround yourself with people who who are are super intense and passionate about what it is that they do with music because they will inspire you to also be that way and you might learn something from them and i and i and here's another thing to think about this is a this is a philosophical thing and then i'll probably leave you at that because then i'm gonna have to pay attention to uh parking and stuff think about this your experience the people in your life the experiences in your life Everything that you're, is in your experience matches the resonance of your consciousness. Just think about that. Your experience, every single thing that you personally experience is an exact reflection of your inner state of consciousness. So, if you're unhappy with your outer experience look inside and try to figure out what it is that you're unhappy about with yourself I know it might sound crazy to some of you and some of you might nod your head yes as in I'm saying the most obvious thing in the world but I really think it's important for everyone to start realizing that just one level down from how you see the world is all atomic we're talking about energy and so our senses read things in a very limited way it makes up the world we see the people we see the, the uh, personalities and the emotions and all that stuff all those things are just different energy levels moving around in harmony with whatever else is in that vicinity and because it's your experience you're kind of the orchestrator of that experience 
and I'm not going to go crazy deep into this because it can become a sliding slope of, of uh, hypothetical concepts and stuff. But just let me just let me just say this from experience and from people who I've talked to that are the same. The higher you can raise your vibrational kind of output, which and and and, and what I mean is basically, you know. High vibration stuff, being kind to each other, being intelligent, being thoughtful, being compassionate, having empathy, those kinds of things resonate very high. The more that you can have of that in your experience, the more you will see harmony come out in your experience. And the other things, the other way is true too. If you have negative, dark thoughts, limited thoughts, etc., in your in your mind. You will see that in the world. You will see pain and violence and etc. Okay, I've already gotten too far. I probably won't even put this part in the podcast. But when you're building your network, build it from the deepest place of integrity that you can find within yourself. And you will have a solid experience in your life. Okay. I see the building I'm pulling into, so great, great talking to you. (laughs) Uh, This podcast thing is totally new for me. Just talking out loud is a very strange thing, but I guess I signed up to do one, so here we are. Okay, enjoy. Happy practicing. If you're interested in either of the books, you can find them at my website, richstitzelmusic.com. And if you buy both the books, you get an automatic 20% discount on both books. Um, So check that out and look forward to the Carter McLean interview next week. Until then, take care, happy practicing, and have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating. And please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.